Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Going to be looking at something this afternoon or someone we don't talk a lot about as Bible believers because he's not, the emphasis in the scripture is not on him even though this person is God. And that is, of course, the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said he would glorify me. He would, he would, uh, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and not he would not speak of himself. So anyway, Luke chapter 24 and verses 49 through 53 says, and behold, and the word behold is found in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, gives a peculiar uh, emphasis uh, bidding the reader here to attend to what is said. Behold, see, lo, here it is, you know, so pay attention, that's, that's the idea here. Um, this emphasis. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. It came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. So the promise of the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for uh, your word. Thank you for the promises that we find in your word that are to us word who believe and according to thy mighty power. Uh, We we pray that we would uh, grasp the promises, um, believe in them, have faith in them, and rest upon them that our lives may be glorifying and honoring to you and that we may please you in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So when he said, Behold, he's again giving emphasis of something that we need to pay attention to, and this is something new or something different, uh, was going to be received by the disciples after Jesus returned to the Father. And of course, Jesus spoke of this in other places in the New Testament, uh, in 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 the book of John, for example, uh, he, he told them in John chapter uh, 14, where he said, in verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And the word comfortless idea is I'll leave you an orphan. I won't leave you an orphan without a helper, without somebody to, to strengthen you, to abide with you forever. And, of course, he's talking about the Spirit of God. So they would receive, and this is something different, that Jesus promised that they would receive the Holy, Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, sometimes referred to in the Scripture, as a permanent resident in their life. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon a person for different reasons or at different times, but never permanently indwelled uh, believers in the Old Testament. But when we come to the New Testament, he says that he would dwell with us forever. 
uh, until the Lord comes. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verses 13, 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13, 14. There, <clears throat> Apostle Paul says, in verse 13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. So we were sealed. Once, when the moment we believe, we're sealed. God's seal is put upon us, and you know the seal. You know, again, picture a king's seal, and if and when a when a king addressed a letter, he he had he had a a signet on his hand, and he would stamp it in wax to 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 make an impression of his signet, and it was he. That's how he sealed letters, and that letter was. Uh, that gave authorization to that letter that was only could be opened to whom it was addressed. It was illegal to open a letter not addressed to you. You would have to answer to the king. Well, we've been sealed by God the Father with the Holy Spirit of promise, and it's an earnest. It's like a down payment. You know, you, if you uh, buy a house, and you, 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 they may ask you to put some earnest money up. You know, if you're, if you're going through a realtor and a realtor says, well, how much earnest money? Uh, what, you're, what you're putting up is you're saying, yes, I am going to have the rest. I'm going to purchase this. So you put a down payment. That's kind of the idea of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase of death. The redeemed means when we actually, our redemption is complete and we go to be with the Lord as he promised. So we've already been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's until the, that Holy Spirit is the seal or the earnest of our redemption, the down payment of our redemption, of already that which has been purchased, our redemption has been purchased by Christ until the Lord comes for us. So you know, when, in the New Testament we see that the Holy Spirit was promised uh, to the disciples. And uh, here in uh, uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, Jesus said that ye... Sh- you receive the promise, I will send the promise of my Father unto you. And he would abide with you. Uh, again, John 14, 16 and 17 tells us this, that, that he, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Uh, so, again, this is, John was, or, uh, the Lord Jesus here in John 14 is speaking as this being yet future, but he says he would abide or continue to be present. That's what abide means, to continue to be present with you. In Romans 8, 11, it says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit which that dwelleth in you. Uh, 1 Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth, that is, he abides, he continues to be present in you. So the moment we are saved, according to Ephesians 1, we receive of the Spirit of God, and he abides with us. He continues to be present with us. uh, As the Lord promised uh, his disciples here in verse 49. We also see, secondly, that it is he that endues with power. Verse 49 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, 
tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Now the word endue is an interesting word. It has the sense of sinking into a garment. Sinking into a garment. To invest with clothing. Clothing. Uh, it's used in Matthew 27, verse 31. It says, And after they had mocked him, they took a robe off from him and put his own raiment on him. On him. And led him away to crucify him. Uh, Romans 13, 14. Put ye on, or be endued with the Lord Jesus Christ. So invest in him, or let him be invested in you like a clothing, a covering for you. And make not provisions of the flesh to the field of the lust thereof. Second Corinthians five three. If so be that being clothed or covered or uh, uh, you know co- completely covered with a garment, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And it's talking about the righteousness of Christ there in that passage. And so, and again, Hebrew or not Hebrew, Ephesians four twenty four that you put on. So it's like again, you're putting on. The new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, if you put on or shrink into a garment, what are you covering? What is not seen? The real you. You are not seen. See, the only parts of you I see, and and, and I'm commending you for this, is your face, it's in your heads. That's really all I want to see. Yeah. You know, my wife and I went to the beach in February for a reason. Because, you know. Uh, but anyway, I don't have to go out and say any more about that. But, but, you know, the rest of you is covered or endued with clothing. And so the rest of you is not really seen. The rest of you is not really seen. And so when... When the Lord says, you should be endued with power, really what he means is, look, I don't really want the world to see you. I want the world to see me when they look at you. So if you're endued with the Holy Spirit of God, what should be seen then, the more we are endued with the Holy Spirit of God, the more of him that is seen, and the less of us. The less of us. Now, we do this by yielding. By yielding. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And this is a, this is a daily thing. We call this progressive sanctification. It's, it's a daily thing. You know, every day you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day you need to put off the old man with his deeds. If you don't, you're going to live for the old man. Because that's what comes natural. It's the old man. Your flesh. And so as Christians, but we've been, if, as Christians, we've been given a power to overcome the old man, but it's something we have to put on continually. That's why Paul said... I die daily. In other words, I put on daily the Lord Jesus Christ. I put off daily Saul of Tarsus. 
Romans 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That's the old man. Consider the old man dead, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So through the power of Christ, you're alive to God. It is Christ through his power that redeemed us, that saves us, gives us life eternal. It's all the power of God. It's none of us. And so take that same power and apply it to everyday life. Reckoning the old man dead and the new man alive unto God. Verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, but ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield, here's our word, yield, your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those are alive from dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So the grace of God enables us, by His power of His Spirit, to yield to righteousness. To do reckon, that word reckon means to declare the old man dead. Reckon him dead. Uh, again, it, and it's, it's a matter of yielding. Who are we going to yield to? Uh, so we need to yield. So, so we're, we're endued or we're clothed with power. And if you're saved this afternoon, it's not a matter of do you have the Spirit of God. It's a matter of how much control does he have of you? Or another way you could say that is, how much of you have you yielded to him? And therefore, you and I can limit his power working in us by our unwillingness to yield. That's the only thing that keeps us from doing that which pleases him at all times is we just don't yield at all times. That is real life. It's a struggle, but it's one that we've been given power to overcome. So there's power. This word power, we're being endued with power. That word power means strength, power, ability. Uh, it is, and I want to know several things about this power. Is it an inherent power, a power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, or which a person or thing exerts and forth, puts forth? So this power is the Spirit of God. So it's inherent because God is all power. So it's inherent in the Spirit of God that if He dwells in us, then this power is available to us. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. What, what gives authority to a preacher preaching the word of God? Or, or, or really, what... what what, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, that message, there was power there. Well, where does that come from? Well, I'm just a great orator. No. So was Hitler. We know who empowered him. But, you know, oratory doesn't give us power. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. And, of course, there's power in the Word. So, Paul said, for our gospel came not in word only, but also in power. By the way... They said Paul's words were mean and contemptible. You know what that means? He couldn't speak very good. He wasn't a good speaker. He wasn't impressive with words in his speeches. It, it sounds to me like, if you read Corinthians, you know, he gave the word of God. 
that's why there was power there. It wasn't his great abilities to handle languages, although he could speak, they believe, five or six different languages. It wasn't his, that which impressed the people, it, but it came, his, his speaking was with power of the Holy Ghost and much assurance. So that's what, so the power was inherent in the word that he gave. And this power is inherent in the Spirit of God that dwells in us. It's there. By virtue of that, if we are born again, we have the Spirit of God. The power is there. Again, it's a question is, am I utilizing it by yielding to it? By yielding to it. Uh, there is power for performing miracles. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Uh, you know, this power to transform lives. That's, that's miraculous. You know, think about it. Now, you might say, well, we don't live in a day of miracles. Really? I think every time a person gets saved, it's a miracle of God. It's a miracle of God. Now, we don't, we don't see things like, you know, people coming, you know, lame and, and I heal them or whatever, and all that kind of stuff. No, you know, I, I don't believe those, those signs are for the day. But we still see lives transformed by the power of the Word of God. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. It's a miracle that, you know, we don't have to live like we once did. Uh, that's a testimony to the power of God. There is moral power and excellence of soul. Again, all these things come from the Spirit of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. <coughs> Excuse me. Where it says, Paul, this is a prayer for the church at Ephesus. The Apostle Paul prayed. And he says that he would grant you, he's talking about Christ our Lord, uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So he says, I want, you to be grant, I want God to grant you all the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. Colossians 1.11 says, Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. That's to do with the inner man. Patience. But it affects the outer man. Uh, look at Psalm 144. I was reading this this week, and this, thought, this phrase struck me. Uh, Psalm 144, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength. Notice, the Lord is my strength, which teacheth, teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. You know, we are in a fight. We're in a war. The world's at war against God. And we're in that war. And if you're on the Lord's side, the world's against you. You need to have wisdom from God how to fight in his war. How to be an effective witness for him. And so, 
he teaches my hands to warm my fingers to fight. Notice the next phrase. My goodness. Now, there's many a person I've asked about their salvation, and they say something like this. Well, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm not that bad. David said, Blessed be the Lord, my goodness. Paul, Paul said, That in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. You know, the rich young ruler came running to Jesus and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, you know, his method of teaching was teach by asking questions. He said, why callest thou me good? You know what Jesus was trying to do with the rich young ruler? He was trying to show him the difference between the goodness of God and the goodness of man. Because obviously, as you read on that passage, the rich young ruler was declaring his goodness. Oh, all these have I kept from my youth up. I'm a pretty good guy. What Jesus is really saying is, why are you calling me good? There is none good but one. And that's what Jesus said to him. There is none good but one. That is God. So, Mr. Rich Young Ruler, you need to consider your words here because you don't understand what you're talking about. No. My goodness... My moral power and excellence, it cometh from thee. Look at, look at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse, uh, I think it's verse 9. Philippians 1 verse 9. Yeah. Verse 9. This I pray, that your love may abound, yet you more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. Under the glory and praise of God. You see, moral power and excellence of soul, and again, is a strength or a power given to us by the Spirit of God. Uh, and God can transform a Mo- an idol worshiping Moabite, by the way, who were known for their morality, into a virtuous woman, like Rahab, or um, um, Ruth. And so He can work and change our lives and attitudes as well. Uh, we will see also that the Holy Spirit of God is the power and influence to which belongs riches and wealth. Second Corinthians eight three to four says. For their power, beyond I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Of course, here he's talking about the churches of Macedonia and how they gave. And he says the riches of their liberality. How did they do it? It was beyond their power. It was beyond their ability. It's the power inherent in the Spirit of God. Um, we see, so, so this power, he says, 
we will be endued, endued with power from on high. Uh, this is the power that gives uh, uh, force uh, to ar- upon armies described in the Bible in, in Daniel 8.10. And it waxed great, even to the hosts of heaven, and it cast down some of the hosts to the stars of the ground and stamped upon them. And, and so this was the, the, the power consisting or resting in armies or forces. Uh, and so, you know, in Acts 17, 6, it says, And when they found them not, they did and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, saying, crying, These that have turned the world upside down. How'd they do that? Now, think about this. This little band of ignorant and unlearned, as they were called. Now, understand that doesn't mean they couldn't read and write. It just means, it doesn't mean they were illiterate. It just means they were not the supposed Bible theologians of the day. They hadn't been to the University of Jerusalem and the Sanhedrin School of the Bible and learned and taught by all the theologians of the day and how to teach the Bible. No, they had learned three and a half years at the feet of the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. But this little band of ignorant and unlearned, as they were called, had it says, this is what the enemy said, they turned the world upside down. How did they do it? Well, again, the Apostle Paul's power and effectiveness is not due to his education. What do he say in Philippians? I do count it but dung. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. No, he said in Romans fifteen nineteen, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and round about Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You know, if you want, if you want your witness to be a demonstration of the Spirit and power, you need to allow the Spirit of God to lead you, to control you, to direct you in your witness. Uh, Again, and God chooses us for this purpose, to equip us or empower us with the ability and knowledge of his will. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 8. And this is what Paul testified to, that, you see, he was chosen, he was a chosen vessel, and one chosen and equipped, and you and I, you know, God, uh, we elect according to the uh, full knowledge of God, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 tells us. And God chooses us for the purpose of serving Him. And when God chooses us to serve Him, in whatever capacity He chooses to serve Him, He also equips us or gives us the ability to do that. For Ephesians 3 says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, you Lord, how that by revelation he made known unto me. He made known unto me. It has nothing to do with how bright Paul was. He was a very bright man. He was a learned man. But he says, 
by revelation that is God made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in another age was not made known unto the sons of man, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So again, the Spirit of God revealed to Paul things concerning the ages, the age of the churches, which was hid for, you know, Jews and Gentiles that had nothing to do with each other before, but now, you know, in the church, you're neither Jew nor Gentile, you're neither bond or free. That's a new thing. That was a mystery hidden until it was revealed. How? By the Spirit. Wasn't the fact that, you know, these things were kind of hinted at here and there in the Old Testament, but it wasn't plainly stated. But, and that's why the, they didn't understand it, a lot of it, but the Spirit of God revealed it to Paul for him to declare it uh, during this time period in which we are now living, the age of the churches. So, so he says, whereof, verse 6, I was made a, I was made. Again, made has the idea of something outside of myself has developed or made or equipped or given the ability to do. Uh, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me whom less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so, you know, you know and God chooses us for his purposes. You know, and we see this in the giving of the gifts. In fact, right here in Ephesians chapter 4, in verses 8 and verse 11, verse 8 says, Wherefore he ascended, he saith, when he ascended up and high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11 and he gave some, that is, he gave some gifts. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And there's a purpose. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, so he's equipped the churches with pastors and teachers so that they can perfect the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. And these gifts are given... By the Lord, as He will. Look at First Corinthians chapter twelve, and of course they're given by the Spirit. First Corinthians chapter twelve, and uh, <clears throat> I don't read all this for sake of time, but verse four says, "Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but the same God, which worketh all in all." But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the Spirit of God gives gifts to His churches, to individuals in His churches, to profit with all. Profit the whole church. And not everyone has the same gift. But it's the Spirit of God that gives those gifts. And, uh, but, 
for those gifts to be utilized, there has to be a willing spirit. In fact, it's my opinion that God doesn't give or withholds gifts or power because sometimes people are unwilling to use it. You know, I, I've, 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 uh, uh, said, I haven't said anything about that anybody here, but I've said of some people, you know, they have so much talent. But that's where it ends. And the reason is they're not yielded. You know, again, we can, we can limit the power of the Spirit of God working our lives by a lack of yielding. A lack of yielding. Second uh, Timothy one seven says, "God hath not given us a spirit of fear." You know, some people are afraid to yield, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And He endued us again. We are clothed, we're invested, or furnished with power of God to do His work. So don't say we can't or I can't, because He has endued us. And the more clothed I am, again, the less you see of me. And what the world needs to see is God in us. God working in our lives, God glorifying himself in us. And so the Spirit of God, uh, he says, he would endue us with power. We would be endued with power. Uh, He helps us. Uh, He helps us pray. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. <clears throat> and I don't claim to have all the understanding into what this verse actually means, but it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit of God helps us pray. He, he helps our infirmities. It says we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. You know, sometimes we just don't know what's the right thing to ask. Sometimes we think the things that we may want would not be the best. Think about it. Think about what Elijah prayed for. He prayed for three and a half years of drought. Why did he pray that? That God would judge, chastise his own people to bring them to repentance. So, you know, you want to pray for America for three and a half years of drought in America? So maybe Americans would turn back to God? Guess what? If you do, you're going to suffer for it. If God gives three and a half years of drought to America, you're going to suffer for it. Even if you're the one praying for it. Even if it's God's will, you're going to suffer for it. That's what he did. You know, sometimes we pray things for people that we shouldn't really pray. We don't know what the right thing is to ask. Maybe we should pray for God to judge them. And, you know, I often say, Lord, in judgment, remember mercy. It 
So we don't always know how to pray as we ought, but the Bible says the Spirit helpeth us. He helps our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses of our flesh, our feelings attached to people. We don't want to see them hurt. But sometimes what they need is hurt. The chastisement always hurts. For them to get right, to see their error of their way. So he helps us. Uh, Secondly, the Spirit of God can empower us or give us the ability to say the right words in our witness. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, verse 19 and 20. Let's start verse 17. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my my sake, for testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. In other words, what he's saying is, you know, you don't go with a pre-written script. You know what we've been taught in Soul Winning? You had a pre-written script that you stuck to. And if somebody asked you a question, you said, no, you know, don't worry about the questions. We'll answer that later. You know, you know one great soul winner said, sinners don't have questions. So you don't answer the questions. But you had this pre-written script. Do you know there's no such thing taught in the Bible? Because every person's need is different. Every person's thought patterns are different. And we must have wisdom from the Spirit of God how to answer every person. And that's what he's saying here. You can't, you can't go with a pre-written script. You need to ask the Spirit of God. You need to be, be submissive to the Spirit of God. By the way, that, you know what that is going to also require of us? That we know what the Bible says. Afraid that too often these soul winners get off their script and then they don't know what to say. No. You know, this is not an excuse not to study or meditate in the scriptures. In fact, you know, as the teacher who prayed the prayer before the test was given, Lord, bring to remembrance those that have the things that those of those who have diligently studied, and then have mercy on the rest. You see. God expects us to be diligent in learning and searching His Word and putting it into our mind. That's why it says, be renewed in your mind day by day. So, we need to be studying and meditating on His Word. And then the Spirit of God can bring to our remembrance things that you don't remember you put in there. It's like pushing the you know, you, you, you type in the search bar on your computer. You know, you, you know you saved, you know, the other day I was, I was looking for something, I was sure I had saved on my computer somewhere, but I couldn't find it. So, you know, you type it into the search bar, and it does search. Well, the, the Spirit of God is like that search engine, that He searches our minds. And if you have put it into your mind, 
He can bring it to your remembrance. And that's what the Lord is saying here. He says, he says, when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. I, I can testify that I've had that happen a few times in my life where I, I gave an answer that I was like afterward, I, I don't even know where that came from. But I'd read it. I'd just not given serious thought to it before until the question was raised. But when the question was raised, the Spirit of God brought to my mind a passage of Scripture that answered this question. Um, and, and, you know, that's why Paul wrote to Timothy, he said in 1 Timothy 3, 4, 13, 14, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. And, of course, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, so he gives us words to say. He strengthens us when we're reproached. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14, and then we'll, be, we'll stop here. But, you know, if you're going to be a witness and a testimony out there in the world, I can guarantee you one thing. You are going to be reproached. You know, people are going to find fault. They're going to ridicule. Uh, they may disapprove of your way. 1 Peter 4, 14 says this, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So, the spirit of God and glory resteth upon you. You see, we have. Jesus said, ye shall be endued with power. John said he will dwell with you. He will abide with you. He will continue to be present with you. That's the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of promise. He's the Spirit of power. He's to strengthen us. He's our goodness. The question is, is he leading you? Is he directing your life? Is he controlling your life? You know, the power of God will only be manifest in your life by the measure of which you and I allow it. The question isn't, if you're saved, the question is not, do you have him? The question is, how much of you does he have? But if you don't have the Spirit of God bearing testimony in your heart, then the Bible says you are none of his. You're not saved. But may we allow the Spirit of God, the Spirit of power, to use us, to lead us, and empower us for His service.